records Smell the cover, read all the verses Tell me about your favorites on vinyl and vision Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the latest episode of Vinyl and Vision. Here we are with episode 89. Today's very special guest is Ali Kareem. Uh, Ali is the guitarist and singer for the band The Atomic Bomb Audition from California. What you're listening to is the first track off of their new record, Render. Yeah, the song is called Render. The album is called Future Mirror. Uh, at the end of the episode, I include uh, a short clip of another song off of that album called Night Vision. Um... Their new album is available as of December 9th on Fifth Wizard. Uh, that should be today, uh, if everything goes pro- according to plan. So uh, you can get their new album, Future Mirror, right now, uh, wherever records are available, <clears throat> wherever you listen to music, uh, streaming-wise, that is. Uh, we will provide links to their Bandcamp to buy the record if you'd like. Um, we always encourage you folks to do that. Uh, we thank you for it if you do. Um, otherwise, uh, Ali was here to discuss uh, not only that new record uh, and the release of that record coming out uh, December 14th is the record release show at the Golden Bull in uh, Oakland, California, I believe. Um, but the topic of discussion today was Pink Floyd's Animals. Um, very cool discussion. Uh, I found this album to be a little hard to talk about. Uh, why? Why was it hard to talk about? I think Pink Floyd in general is hard to talk about. This is the third Pink Floyd record I am covering on this show. And uh, each time I've had to do it, I've had to cover one of their records, It's I've found it to be difficult. Um, we did The Wall a long time ago with my good friend Doug Cheatwood. Uh, and uh, that was before I was doing a lot of really hard research. Um, and then, there, of course, there was Piper at the Gates of Dawn with uh, Roger Miller of Bishop Burma, which was a great conversation. Uh, I found it difficult, though, because not only was I speaking to Roger, but that album was hard to find out information about. And this one, more information available, um, but just a weird, tricky record. Uh, it's very, <clears throat> very political, you know? Uh, it's a very aggressive, violent record. Uh, we, you know, we discussed that. Uh, and there's only four songs written. I mean, five tracks, but technically only really four songs. So, um, but I think we had a great conversation either way. Uh, got to know Ali very well. Got to know about his history and music and, uh, you know, the, the new record, the, the band, the Atomic Bomb audition, and so forth. And so it was great, and I hope you enjoy it. And if you do... Although we ask is that you please do all the things you do with the internet, like, share, subscribe, comment, rate, review, all of those things. They, uh, they help us out greatly and we really do appreciate it. If you care to help us out in a more financial way, uh, you can always visit our website, psychostatic.net. 
and uh, any purchase you make there goes towards helping out the show. And we really thank you. Um, otherwise, um, we'll be talking to you guys very soon. Thanks. Enjoy. Is that you? Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, man. How are you? <clears throat> uh, I'm okay. Just been a little crazy today. A little hectic. Right on. <laughs> As you know. Uh, yeah, I know. Kind of, uh, kind of the same over here. But um, been looking forward to this. And um, yeah, and I just got a chance to listen to um, to one of your earlier episodes today. Um, oh. Great show you have here. Thank you. Um, I was listening to the Disco Volante episode. And, oh, that was and, a little um, funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was another. Uh, that was another one that I could have potentially picked. Um, and uh, it was funny that uh, the dude from Chat by um, some of his experiences uh, like exactly mirror my own. Oh yeah. So, how, how, um, how so? In like which which parts exactly? Um some of the things that he mentioned about like what he was listening to contextually um at around that time and the way that album hit him it sounds like we're about the same age mm-hmm. um the way that album hit him uh kind of weird at first and then kind of grew uh grew on him a little bit um that all kind of that all kind of tracked like that debut album i remember being very big for everybody around my age and mm-hmm. then um that that second album coming out was um sort of separated like the wheat from the chaff like you you got off the bus um if you were looking for more funk metal and um you know you either re- you either like loved it or hated it or revisited it i guess is are the three camps that <laughs> that you ended up in yeah um and uh yeah i definitely like i was like hmm i was like i think it was in the third camp for sure. Uh, I was, I, my hmm was my reaction to it at first. And then a couple of years later, it like, it kind of bloomed for me. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, that, that, uh, leads me to wonder one question that I had for you, uh, right off the bat, you're talking about, uh, being a teenager in the nineties, I imagine. That's right. Okay. So, uh, so you're getting turned on to uh, disco volante and, uh, you say how you're, you know, you might revisit it or you're in the camp that would, you know, go on to revisit it. Um, something I read in your bio said, uh, according according to your bio, three of the four members of your current band uh, had attended Mills College. Are you one of those attendees? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That was definitely, um, sorry, uh, I'm preempting your question, but that was definitely, uh, Mr. Bungle was definitely something that set me on that road uh, indirectly. Yeah, uh, like to what to understand music better, like in, in a more like educated sense. Um, 
it was really less that and more about like finding a community of people who were making music that was kind of like left of center and right. um looking for something that wasn't going to be kind of the conservative conservatory uh the conservative conservatory um context um because i frankly didn't have the chops for that and i also um was attracted to these things that um that that mr bungle was kind of like this stepping stone for like um like i mean even for like things like ennio morricone um and just appreciating film music as as uh as a thing in and of itself divorced from films um that was like they were the first step into that world they were the first step into um john zorn and um and the sort of like the new york like hybridized uh not quite jazz um not quite experimental not quite avant-garde like uh like kind of like scene of like strange like freakish uh like hybridizations of music mm. um and the they were the stepping stone just away from just kind of the uh the the uh, the oppressive uh normalcy of rock which i you know sort of proudly grew up with but what you don't sort of realize is that um you're getting this kind of like homogenized uh vision this kind of pinhole vision of um of what's out there um and they were a great sort of stepping stone to be like hey like there's all this other stuff right um, yeah and that kind of really encompassed everything yes a lot yeah, of what, and, your, what i imagine your interests were at the time like kind of uh metal funk uh rock punk heavy metal all that stuff yeah yeah so sort of graduating from like um <clears throat> mostly like diving into different different um strains of rock of mm. like us or uk based rock into um into things like film music into things like um like bollywood soundtracks into things like um uh like ethiopian jazz um and just like expanding the palette in that way and that was all like you know that was all sort of like after going through the um you know the the graduation course of um of uh u.s based rock going from like like hard rock bands to like heavier bands to like death metal um, um to like you know more obscure like underground stuff like black metal and then finally going well what else is there it's like well there's a shit ton of other stuff it just yeah. seems like you've sort of like ascended to the top of a mountain but you've actually ascended to the top of this hillock that yeah. um that uh that looked you know exceptionally high to you from your vantage point right right yeah you're kind of uninformed kind of uh you know uh uh or immature i guess you could call it you know uh take yeah. on, on what music is you know and what it, yeah exactly the impression it like, has on you at the time yeah and it's like growing up in southern california and growing up without um like an older sibling who um could sort of direct me towards things um it really was like the music itself like that needed to be the kind of the skeleton key to all these other things yeah so uh so you grew up in california that's right okay and, um, yeah, I grew up in um in like uh just outside of Los Angeles. Okay, so you've been in California your whole life. I have been, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. yeah, I grew up um just outside of uh, LA in the San Fernando Valley, 
and um, I've been in the Bay Area for about 20-ish years now, um, between Oakland and San Francisco primarily. Hmm. Cool. And that That's was, great. yeah, that, uh, that was um, another thing that, um, like, seeing that there was, like, a weird music thing happening in the Bay Area, um, seeing, like, artists like um, Secret Chiefs 3 uh, and Neurosis and um, uh, Sleepy Time Gorilla Museum, were kind of these attractors uh, to this area as like, oh, this is a place where like weird rock can happen. And now I'm talking about like the the um, the early parts of the 21st century. Um, in 2022, the Bay Area doesn't really look like that um, anymore. The, the the music scene here doesn't really look like that anymore. There are still really interesting and creative bands here for sure, but um, it's gone through a lot of stages um, and the the resources for like being able to like stay here um as a musician um they're they're scant you know it's not as robust as like a place like new york really okay um i mean it it seems to me from a little bit of the research i did for for you tonight was uh that you're pretty involved in a lot of things not just music it seems that you're kind of a uh a um accomplished writer yeah, I do write. Um, that's kind of like the the main thing that I do um for um uh for for work. Uh I I write fiction. Um I work for uh for creative agencies and um I uh co-developed a, a podcast with um with an old collaborator of mine, uh somebody who I went to Mills College with actually um who uh created all the sound for it and um i wrote uh i wrote the uh i wrote the first season of the show um Hmm. alongside her um it's like a it's a seven episode six seven episode i can't remember now um uh season uh a full season of an audio drama yeah yeah, it's a scripted uh fiction thank you yeah sci-fi that's right. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, cool. a little tongue-tied. It's called IO, I slash O, as in like uh, off on. Um, and uh, it is like a near future science fiction story set in the Bay Area about uh, a sort of like um, a weird, like, uh, like basically imagine if like um, um, if uh, if Amazon was like some kind of like weird entity that uh, actually was like in charge of all the digital services of the city. So like we're in a near future where like a corporation basically takes over the city. Um, and there's this weird, there's this uh, underground resistance that starts brewing uh, against it. And we have our like protagonist, who's a, a a tech worker who used to work for that company. I don't know if you can hear my cat, by the way. I just did um, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Um, she's crying for your dinner. Um <clears throat> uh she'll uh she'll um she'll she'll be fed don't worry uh rest assured um but anyway yeah the um one of the the workers of this um of this uh at this company ends up uh joining the underground movement Hmm. um it it sounds a little bit uh like uh like future telling it sounds like we're almost there (laughs) yeah um and i think maybe depending on who you are and where you are maybe like we actually are there a little bit yeah yeah it does seem that way a little bit yeah (laughs) not as extreme but it's getting there for sure right right 
So um, <clears throat> maybe we should go back a little bit. I'd, I'd love to kind of figure out kind of where you came from as far as this, like your musical background. So, uh, you know, yeah. growing up in California, um, you said you didn't have any siblings, no older siblings? No older siblings. I have uh, two younger sisters. Um, and uh, we actually all sort of like cross influence each other with um with our various like points of view like my uh my sibling who was like just a little younger than me i have a much younger sister who's 15 years younger and Mm -hmm. then i have another who grew up with me who's only two years younger um the older younger sister uh was really into punk and really into hardcore and she got me into things like misfits and dead kennedys and then um the youngest sister uh, grew up in a completely different uh, milieu. Like she was born in the mid nineties when I was in high school. Um, uh-huh. And she, uh, she got me into like, uh, like Atlanta, like trap music and, uh, and all this like, like hip hop and R&B stuff that um, I wouldn't have otherwise known or been exposed to uh, um, just because that's the stuff that, um, that her like friend group sort of got into. Right. And that sort of thing, like actually kind of like, um was really cool because when i stopped being excited or not stopped being excited but like you know you get to a point where you're like i'm not going to sort of be impressed or moved by new music anymore i'm gonna like or not like things but i'm not going to sort of like it's not going to sort of like change my brain yeah Um, especially for our generation you know i mean because our generation is just so saturated with music that there's just there's too much to even want to explore really yeah, but then like hearing like things like um like future and particularly uh Metro Boomin who had done production on um like future's like breakout album uh DS2 was like mm. oh crap like I've never um you know I I have no context for this and this is kind of blowing my mind. Um it's really like it's really cool because uh, again you don't know what you don't know. Um I had this really limited exposure to hip hop from the nineties from like basically like anything kind of affiliated with like the East West coast um, rivalry stuff like B.I.G. or like Dr. Dre or Snoop Dogg. Um, And then it kind of stopped there. um, And I didn't really do the sort of the, um, the like alternative sort of science fiction, hip hop um, stuff like uh, uh, cannibal ox I didn't really delve into that stuff when it was when it was relevant but then Mm. um but yeah then discovering things like like future and um and the weekend through my sister it was like i've never heard anything like quite like this this is like actually kind of like weirdly like fresh and edgy i forget who uh i forget who the metal musician who was like oh the weekend is like the most uh um is like the edgiest thing like i've heard out there like in in music period like nothing in metal even comes close i think it was um uh the dude from um from emperor um was saying was um was talking him up uh right. and i couldn't agree more like it's like it's super it's super fucking sketchy um in the way that like you know old mayhem was to people uh when they were you know when they were uh, on the scene yeah Okay. Interesting. So, um, but so now growing up, you're, you're telling me about your younger sisters, which is a little bit of a, of a, of a change, how, uh, the younger siblings were kind of giving you some influence into what you were listening to. What about when you, like you were a kid, what, what, what was music like in the house and, uh, and who was listening to it? 
Oh, uh, it was it was nothing terribly uh, exciting. It was top forty, and um, I mean, it was exciting to me at the time because it was uh, my first kind of view into it. Like, like I was just falling in love with music in general, um, mm-hmm. and hearing things like you know Michael Jackson and like Whitney Houston and George Michael. Like that was freaking you know fantastic for me. I was super into that stuff. Sure. Um, me sort of like striking out on my own was represented by uh things like the first real step in that direction was like motley crew that was like the first thing that i was like this is mine you know like yeah. this you know this is something that i can kind of like imbue like my own um you know feelings into and it's not on the radio so i can kind of like um you know entertain this idea that it's that it's kind of edgy even though it's like they're the biggest band in the world at the time like when they've released uh dr feelgood oh, okay. um, uh that was like when i was like you know really getting like absorbed into um into something that was like that nobody had like kind of like introduced me to or that nobody had like kind of like ownership of besides me like me and my friends were sort of um uh concurrently all getting into it and then yeah. from there it was guns and roses that was like the next big love okay and then um and then metallica and then that was kind of like the the sort of the last domino to be like okay i'm gonna start like learning guitar i'm gonna start exploring music on my own i'm gonna start branching out i'm gonna start getting into heavier and heavier stuff i'm gonna learn how to play this stuff hmm. i'm gonna um sit by a record player um or cd player uh and rewind and and listen to my favorite riffs over and over again uh until i've got them nailed and that's how i'm gonna spend you know ages 12 through 15. yeah okay and so and who who, uh how'd you get your first guitar that was actually uh a gift from uh my late uncle um he kind of on a lark uh got me uh, a classical guitar i think it was a short scale one even so it wasn't even a full-size guitar hmm. but um i don't know if you know anything much about guitar um classical guitars bit. are um are set uh like wider uh the the span of the strings is set wider so the space oh, yeah. in between each string is a little wider right. than the on next electric guitar too right yeah which is good if you're trying to do things that are like you know native to the classical guitar like trying to play repertoire for the instrument um because you need um all that sort of space to like um to properly like uh hold the voicings without um you know creating a lot of sort of friction between the strings Hmm. um it's bad if you're trying to learn megadeth songs um which like quickly it was like okay i'm trying to learn all these rock songs on this thing um and this is becoming challenging and also this doesn't like kick ass like i need a electric guitar and a a combo amp to just do this properly right right um so yeah saved up some money got like an an, um, unbelievably shitty electric guitar and amp and uh yeah dream the dream was uh the dream was off and running yeah okay all right that's cool so uh so that was what um yeah, so you started learning guitar around twelve, um, listening to metal. Uh, how does how does Pink Floyd get uh, involved in the picture? Yeah, so that's really interesting. Um, <clears throat> Pink Floyd is a is a an artist uh, 
is a band that like my relationship with goes through all these different stages. My initial like impression of Pink Floyd. um, So I guess the closest thing I have to like older sibling influence is um, a really good, a really good friend of mine growing up uh, who I was learning guitar with and dorking out on all the same bands with and sort of like going through an evolution of like our own like musical journey with um, had an older had an older mom had a mom um still has a mom presumably uh i'm learning how to talk today and she's still older too Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah she never she's always the same amount of he never catches up to her isn't that strange yeah it's crazy (laughs) it's crazy how that happened um anyway um his mom was uh was actually like like you know my parents grew up in uh, uh in iraq um they didn't grow up like you know, listening to um, classic rock or anything like that. Mm. But his mom grew up in the States, you know, getting into rock and roll bands. So she was into Led Zeppelin and she was into Pink Floyd and we would listen to that stuff and we would go, that's all right. But like, and this is around like age, like, you know, like I'm telling you, like around like 12, 13, we're like, that's, that's all right. But it sounds kind of, sounds kind of old for our ears. Mm. And while at the same time, like we're listening to like older um, Led Zeppelin, we're listening to kind of Led Zeppelin kind of throughout their, their various eras from like, um, from, uh, from three to Zoso to Houses of the Holy, we're hearing all that stuff. Um, We're hearing kind of like, a little bit of everything from Floyd and obviously we're hearing dark side of the moon and that's not really landing. And obviously we're hearing like the radio singles, like there's wish you were here. Mm-hmm. Um, money. That was that's like prominent on money. Those were prominent on, um, on, you know, on FM radio, FM radio was still a big thing back then. Like we would still listen to it. Yeah. Um, and you know, it sounded kind of dated and it sounded kind of corny and it wasn't really like our thing um got later exposed to like the 80s floyd stuff um and that was really not my thing uh and then it wasn't until way 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 later like in my 20s um where um where uh i this really good friend of mine is um is uh like our our big pastime would be like driving around southern california um really stoned and just listening to an album that was sort of like new to new to me or new to him um and the new to me stuff um he was exposing me to was like velvet underground so that's my first exposure to them and to like my first like you know understanding of like lou reed and his like genius um and uh and he's playing me like floyd albums I'm like, what the hell are these albums? He's playing me metal. He's playing me like saucer full of secrets. And I'm like, I've never heard these fucking albums before. Um, and we're listening to like the earliest stuff with Sid Barrett. And it's kind of like blowing my mind. I'm like, I didn't know this was the same band. Yeah. Um, and then uh, sort of like over the course of this, over these years, we're listening to like the wall and the wall is finally starting to make an impression on me. And it's actually starting to kind of like crack through and like crack through the wall if you will um and it's starting to kind of like resonate with me and then uh i got really really into um uh uh metal and the wall and wish you were here around this time 
Okay. And animals, I didn't really get to until yet a couple more years. Uh, again, like, I don't know if I have a great explanation for why this, like, um, this all sort of took so long or why this happened also gradually. But mm. by the time I finally got to animals, um, I, I remember distinctly thinking like, oh, this must be one of those really early Floyd albums that I missed um, because this is so just sprawling and um, and uh, it doesn't sound like a band that's like doing any of the kind of like the more compressed stuff when uh, Waters was in charge. Right. And then um, and then I find come to find out like it's like smack in the middle of like that, like peak where they're doing Dark Side, where they're doing Wish You Were Here. Right. Um, and it's just this like kind of, uh, this kind of dark star album of theirs. Uh, and right. that's the one that kind of, um, that kind of like leaves like the biggest mark, uh, eventually there was like this one point where, um, there's a funny joke within, um, within our band where we all didn't realize separately. Um, we all didn't realize that, um, that, uh, both David Gilmore and Roger Waters saying that that actually there are two singers in in uh, Pink Floyd. Yeah, isn't that weird? Um, it's so weird. Um, it's so hard. Did to you tell also them have apart. the same experience? Yeah, I remember I did the wall. <clears throat> yeah. I did the wall a few. Uh, I guess I think a couple of years ago now with a friend of mine, um, and I didn't realize that they had that they shared like lead duties. Yeah, and I can't tell when that when it is. I can't tell who is who. Well, uh, I've gotten better at it. Okay. And um, Animals is an interesting one where like there's um, the verses that David is singing on yeah. on dogs specifically. Uh, the first uh, the first proper long track after uh, um, Pigs after on Pigs wing. on the Wing. Yeah. Um, and it's like it's it's just like I don't know. It's just chilling, like hearing his voice uh, and hearing him describe that. Um, we were talking about my um my uh podcast a minute ago, IO, mm -hmm. um, which is about basically like at, at its heart, like it's about a lot of things, but at its heart, it's about this tech employee who kind of goes rogue and um joins joins a resistance and basically starts fighting against everything his company used to stand for. Mm. Um that is something that like um you know is like a little bit like like that comes a little bit from uh from that narrative in dogs um which is about like really sort of exposing um what the what the corporate capitalist mindset um is sort of conditioning us to do or be right um which is these sort of opportunistic backstabbers where you know that's like if we're really going to survive th this this world we've really got to learn to be like merciless uh with each other and basically right. like undermine our own relationships huh. um in order to um to have success in the way this world is constructed and he does it in this way that's like so not like preachy or didactic or um or railing he puts like the responsibility on you as the listener to like basically like if you see yourself in this then you're going, it's going to resonate with you and give, and give you the chills. Mm. Um, if you're not, it's also going to be horrifying because it's such a convincing portrayal of like a human behavior of like a very specific kind of human behavior. Um, 
and uh the way he like sort of like um builds things up to that moment uh where he sings you'll get the chance to put the knife in hmm. and it was like and that guitar just kind of comes ripping through uh is just like one of those like exquisite like uh goosebump inducing music moments for me like okay that just yeah. that's just like out of control like what a um what a perfect through line that is and then right. roger waters comes in later he does he gets his own set of verses later it's like sort of um like in in the wreckage of what you saw um you know beforehand that whole like long epic sprawl that led up to um to uh that main like acoustic guitar motif coming back and he starts singing got to admit that i'm a little bit confused um and you're like oh my god like i this is like the second verse or whatever and i've been listening to this song for like 10 minutes now <laughs> it's like it's not it's like a pop album in sheep's clothing um because it's really not like that like modular um and then this and then this and then this um right uh prog structure they are proggy songs they are really long but it's really just like pop songs just like elongated and, and stretched out like it's right it's right. just like a handful of hooks um and uh they they milk them for all they're worth yeah yeah i mean i think the specifically probably due to the idea of trying to make it a concept album um mm -hmm. you know um before before we get into the album uh let me just ask you one one question um so i've been listening to a lot of the music that you've made uh i think i've listened to just about every album you've put out so far uh including the new, the new one actually um i got oh. an advanced copy of it so i was very excited nice. to, to dive into that one so um but on one of your previous albums, the uh, how does this how to dismantle a U two, yeah, uh, the band does a faithful rendition of the entire Echoes epic. That's right. So, so why didn't you choose metal? <laughs> um, that's a that's a great question. Um, there was something about the song Echoes that um felt like it's like from this like slightly more naive um era of Floyd where it felt like we could have a take on it and not feel like we were sort of like um stepping on like um like hallowed ground oh i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sort of answering a different question which is why did we cover echoes a song uh uh why did oh, we okay. cover a song off of metal than a rather than a song off of animals so i'll try to right. answer the the inverse of the question too sure sure um but uh um yeah the like when we're thinking of like animals um, those songs kind of like feel like hallowed ground and don't really feel like they have room for like reinterpretation. Okay. And I think that's also why we, um, why I picked uh, that album today um, because that's more sort of influential as like a singular statement on what our band ended up doing. Um uh, this was sort of a like a collective uh, pick that like that's the Floyd album that kind of like um, resonates like hardest for all of us. Um, and we all love um, that era like of metal as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it is it's not quite the same thing as that's like sort of like um, that it's not as much of a thing that like sort of spurred us to do what we do. 
yeah, um, okay. in the same way as animals did. So we thought animals kind of like um, represents something that like feels more kind of in our like cells as a band. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I <clears throat> yeah. Excuse me. I've been sick for the past couple of weeks. Oh, no um, worries. Uh, I think that I could can see that pretty clearly. I mean, um, from what I from what I can remember and and uh, consider about your discography, um, your music is is very uh, obviously it has a, a heavy rock edge. You know, it's it's kind of classified as metal, but it definitely has kind of like sonic s- uh, landscapes, uh, ethereal moments. It has um kind of pop hooky moments it's got a it's kind of has a mixed bag of things and uh and and pink floyd seems to be a pretty close connection to that in in that they they were very experimental in a lot of regards uh in a lot of ways so um and and this album i guess the connection is possibly the theme and being a thematic record. Uh, and obviously they were good at that. They actually, they've obviously already had a, a, a massive success uh, between um, dark side of the moon and wish you were here by the time this album came out. And then shortly after, as a, as a matter of fact, immediately after this record, they put out the wall, which is another timeless kind of uh, concept record. Yes. And, um, that's an album that's like that's an album that's almost like too sort of like um obvious to say is like a is it as an influence um uh it's not as much of a direct influence on this band specifically because um the idea of like the wall as like the wall is i see as sort of a rigid concept album Mm -hmm. where it's very specifically narrative focused and animals is sort of more of like a loose concept album where it's more yeah. thematic right. and um not as uh narratively strict and i think right. the loose concept album thing is something that we're always like that's always kind of hanging in the in the back of our minds whenever we um you know whenever we're putting together uh like a like a full length recording of original stuff yeah so it's it's more uh it's more open to interpretation you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. like, for, like what I learned about this record, uh, essentially everywhere that I looked, every book that I looked in, every podcast I listened to, every video I watched, it was all basically the same information, you know, about this record. It was all the same things. It was just like, you know, there's only essentially four songs on this record. Um, yeah. It's all, it's uh, loosely based on uh, George Orwell's uh, Animal Farm. Uh, hence the, the the titles of the songs being named after animals, uh, dogs, pigs, and sheep primarily, and um, and yeah, but but the lyrical content is where it gets tricky because even though you can consider the connection to Orwell and Animal Farm, uh, if you're familiar with that that novella, I'm not actually I've never read it before, but um, but knowing what I know about it, um, yeah, you can kind of kind of make that connection and you can kind of like like i noticed that people were always kind of just gearing towards it but if you really dissect it and kind of like what you were saying about dogs i think that you have a much better kind of more um a better understanding of what they were attempting to do uh lyrically and musically than just kind of the average listener that's just like oh that's right yeah orwell of course yeah of course animal farm you know it's a it's a you know it's a uh criticism on class class warfare or whatever yeah. so 
Yeah, it's a little bit more more subtle than that. I think I think the animal farm framework um, <clears throat> almost exists for like as like a like a last uh, resort. Like if you're having such a hard time understanding where they're coming from, uh, that you need this kind of like um, this kind of reference point, then that's there, and it's sort of it's sort of tracks. Mm -hmm. um you know it definitely like like there's definitely something like massively orwellian about that album um and but but yeah but if if you definitely like would do well to just like find your own meaning um in this record and it's funny because um we uh so brian uh our drummer and i happened to go see roger waters on his like 2017 tour i want to say um and he had just finished wrapping up a pre the previous year uh his uh his wall tour which was like recreate you know re like playing through the wall in its entirety um as part of uh as part of the evening um and there was no theme for this particular tour in 2017 but what he did end up doing was he did end up doing like a set that was almost entirely devoted to animals Hmm. And um, it was kind of a surprise because it wasn't in any of the promotional materials. And um, it was very like politically oriented uh, imagery that they had set up. Um, uh, funny, uh, funny story, degrees of separation thing. Um, Scott Evans, who recorded uh, this album uh, with us, um, he's the guitarist from Kowloon Walled City. His brother is Roger Waters' creative director. Oh, okay. Um, so he does the creative direction for his tours, and it was all like, um, it was all political imagery, and it was a lot of um, imagery of like Trump, uh, which I mean, I don't think I need to explain to you. It was very clear that he was like not very um, like thrilled about Trump. Uh, <laughs> you know, Roger Waters. Yes, uh, right. I mean. Um, and that it was like all like this imagery, like in unflattering light and putting him in context with, you know, with pigs and the, and the, the factory imagery. And it was an incredible, um, it was a credible, incredible set design. Um, and we were at the show and this guy actually got like fuming mad about the Trump imagery, uh, oh, and stormed yeah. off. And, uh, we both just cracked up. It was, uh, it was so obvious that he was, he was offended by, uh, by the political imagery uh and that was why he was storming off but it was one of those like funny things where it's just like do you know the guy that you're here to see yeah <laughs> have right you, have you heard of him do you do you know a little <laughs> bit about like where he's coming from politically yeah um yeah so uh so, yeah so i don't know sorry if that was a tangent but um but no. yeah um that was kind of like mind-blowing because like that's not like you know that's not the like marquee album that like you know, puts asses in seats uh, for your like world tour or whatever. Um, but it was very much like this, like big deal for um, for Brian and I. Yeah, and and for a number of his deep fans, I'm sure. You know, because yeah, though they if they especially if you weren't expecting it, I mean, to be able to kind of hear a live rendition of these gems that uh, is a very, um, I mean, this album realistically is very um, underwhelming. Uh, as far as far as like kind of a fan uh, fan appreciation, you know, I mean, it's yeah. it's certainly under the radar of Pink Floyd albums. I think. Yeah, I don't think it ranks very high. There's no single, um, like Pigs on the Wing doesn't 
really count as like something that you would like put on the radio. It's not even like, it doesn't even sound like an entire song. It's like, it's like yeah. a, it's like a verse. Yeah. Uh, it's like I mean, two even if you verses. put, maybe if you put the two parts together, maybe, but yeah, maybe it, it's, it exactly. still doesn't work, you know? Yeah. You can't do, you can't really do a radio edit of, uh, of anything, um, and, uh, have it come out, uh, you know, halfway coherent. Oh yeah. I can imagine that you couldn't. I mean, uh, I think someone, I, I was reading somewhere, someone said something along the lines of this, like, you know, you, you kind of have to mention that that was how uh, intentional it was that they kind of didn't make a single off this record. And and you can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if you think about these songs, there's no way you can cut it down and have it still have the same effect. No, absolutely. And um, I was reading something uh, about how this was like, the end of um their like this unlimited recording clause in their contract oh right. they had like all this time to um record in their own spaces um and part of it was like baked into their uh into their deal and so this mm -hmm. was like the last album of that um so so well, oh, they, yeah man this is it crazy. It's just, crazy it's like it ended just before this record and so then so they were kind of like up against the wall like kind of trying to figure out what they should do ultimately yeah. they had all the tour gear that they had to store anyway so they figured yeah. okay well let's buy a building and build our own studio in it so this is yes. the debut of them of their own studio work uh at britannia row and yes. and so that's that's a little bit of a of a uh underappreciated fact too because um they've always been so um almost like like the recordings always always just kind of seem magical like they just had a had a, a much higher level of sophistication uh you know due to impart a lot of experimentation in the studio to get really great effects and uh and this one is much more sparse in that degree like there there's a lot less kind of like studio tricks it's kind of more of a stripped down record really yeah um you're saying you're saying animals is is, is, is a bit stripped down yeah 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 it's not you know what's funny you can easily <clears throat> imagine like just the four of them uh executing it um in a way that even like i mean i remember when we were trying to do echoes um it was like challenging to just like execute it as four people um mm -hmm. there were definitely like layers and things that we were missing and then like they it seemed like they were getting more and more into that um you know studio uh something that can only exist in the studio uh type of uh type of recording and then yeah and then here it, it does seem like a little more stripped yeah well there's like no backing vocals there's right. no there's very few like ethereal things i mean like in some of the songs, you can hear some of the animal play. You can hear like the dogs and the dog song, um, but nothing like really weird. Nothing like Adam Hart Mother, where there's no. anything orchestral. There's none of that weird like background noise, like you know, like that egg frying in a pan and and a tea kettle going off. Like there's not a lot of that stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, it it's and and yet it's also like. Um, uh, it, it's a very confrontational album and it's also kind of like uh, a, a, almost a little bit raw. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree it's, with it's, that. It's, yeah. it's really, it's really interesting. Um, 
I I don't remember uh what their uh what their thoughts about it were. I'm always so interested about this. Mm. Um what the actual band thought about it. Um Okay. Well, I, I have, have a this... quote I have a quote oh, from yeah, uh, Roger Waters here. It says uh it's a very violent album. Violence yeah. tempered violence tempered with sadness. That sounds that sounds about right. It is a very sad and, and very I would say very angry album. Yeah. yeah. Um uh i think um i i have this like innate like attraction to uh to a band's like difficult album to the album that they think uh is awful or to the album that they think is like evil or just like somehow kind of like um you know shrouded in darkness or whatever um i know that uh i don't know if you know killing joke oh yeah um, a little bit that's a big sort of collective band influence there too. Mm. Um, Hasanas from the basement of hell. Um, they consider to be like, a like a, like a very dark album that mm. they like, uh, was a very kind of like spotty time for them. Yeah. Um, and there's a handful of other albums like that, um, or like the band, like has virtually disowned the record or 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 doesn't like think fondly of either the sound or the time that they had making it that um that I just that I just love and have oh, okay. a thing for. Well um, what from what I remember, um nobody speaks very highly of this record. Um David Gilmore had said that uh, that it's a good record. <clears throat> um the problem with this record as far as the band's kind of like uh 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 you know opinions of it is that uh this is kind of the the straw that broke the camel's back between the band essentially is that roger waters took over oh, writing duties yeah and basically didn't want to include anybody uh you know uh didn't really include anybody for for writing credits uh david gilmore only gets a, a partial credit on dogs and otherwise the entire record is is credited to to roger to roger waters so um yeah. uh Richard Wright the uh, keyboardist was had said something along the lines I'm paraphrasing this obviously that uh you know it's a good record uh but at the time that uh, he didn't he didn't contribute much but nor did he really nor was he really asked um you know he saw Roger as kind of like being the leader and wanting to have control of it uh and so he kind of just let it be that way uh and i and i think that was kind of the overwhelming uh feel uh, of the members at the time about this record specifically yeah um the whole like the roger against the rest of the band thing is yeah. so interesting um i mean i'm of the mind that like that the band sort of dies or like loses its relevance uh once he's gone um yeah i think there's like i think there's some charm to some of the um the post some of the post roger waters floyd but mm -hmm. it's it's mostly sort of um i don't know it's mostly like like uh, irrelevant to me um yeah i don't ever listen to those records really yeah i know some people do i have friends who are who are stoked about that stuff I think some yeah. of the guys in the band are stoked about some of that stuff too. Um, and I think, I think there's like a song or two that, um, that, uh, that sticks out, but the really kind of relevant period of that band um, is with waters and you hear 
kind of a similar, it's kind of a similar story as talking heads. You hear like when he leaves and does his own thing that um, it may not be like the masterworks that he did with the bands with the band, you know, that right. either artist did with their respective bands. Yeah. Um, again, learning to talk, it's, it's going great. <laughs> um, but, um, but you hear that sort of that signature thing um, that they take with them to the solo projects. And right. you're like, well, that's that, that's that spark that like that, you know, those, the rest of those three or four um, people um, that are their ex bandmates can't replicate with some other singer or some other um, artist in those uh, in those shoes. Mm -hmm. No, I, I understand completely what you mean. I mean, I think that it's uh, it's very evident. <clears throat> um, I think that we should move on, though. I think we should kind of get into this record a little bit. Um, sure. Now, thankfully, it's a very short record in terms of songs. Uh, we, we only got five songs here. One is essentially a repeat. So uh, I don't have a lot of questions for you, actually. So I was kind of That's enjoying fine. just kind of uh, the the freestyle conversation uh, about the album that we've been doing so far. But, uh, but we're going to get into it a little bit. So the first song on the record is Pigs on the Wing, Part 1. If you didn't care What happened to me So now, whereas this song is typically considered to be either an open love song to Roger Waters' new wife at the time, uh, or a hopeful introduction to the the malaise that is soon to be laid out for us, um, those are the two most kind of popular interpretations of this song. There's an interesting piece of information that was not uh, very common knowledge here in the research that I had done, and that's that the uh, the term "pigs on the wing." Uh, is an old war saying for enemy pilots that are uh, on your blind spot. Oh no, shit! Yeah, and so um, and to be a shelter oh, for that, to be a shelter from that is to protect someone from their enemies. So, with that in mind, it kind of maybe opens up a different interpretation to that song, especially the intro, the for the you know part one to the album, because it uh, it starts off kind of hopeful sounding you know i mean some of the lyrics say um yeah we would zigzag our way through the boredom and pain occasionally glancing up through the rain wondering which of the buggers is to blame and watching for pigs on the wing so watching for potential disaster or or i don't know what, what other word to use for that any kind of like attack or something or like you know what so what kind of um What's the fucking word I'm looking for? I am having trouble myself with words tonight. No, yeah, no, I, I, I think I get what you mean. Um, I think it's about like, um, uh, paranoia, really. Um, and it's not necessarily like unfounded paranoia, but it's like, um, uh, just kind of like being vigilant, um, in that in the psychological sense. Right. Um, well, especially considering what's to come. Like, like exactly. so if we get into if we go into dogs now, this is a very you know, aggressive song, very uh, foretelling of what you were kind of mentioning earlier. It's like uh, it's it's a it's a little bit of a description about um, people and their um, and their place in the world. Kind of like yes. the ability to take advantage of one, uh, like how you have to be a little bit of cutthroat in in life to to get ahead and <laughs> so forth. Uh, there's the greater 
uh, theme of animal farms. So dogs represents the um, kind of more uh, militaristic or the, um, what's the word for that? The uh... hawkish? Yeah, like the, the aggressive uh, side of 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 that i think right the um yeah it's like what police police or the um or the military uh overall it's it's this uh <clears throat> it's this um encroaching force right something like that yeah i mean are are, are you saying like um this like kind of like police state kind of yeah. uh like the fear of that yes that's it yeah um yeah, that 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 tracks, and um, I think um, I think uh, um, I think Waters is like less like scared or less sort of like um, on, set on edge about like the kind of like the state kind of manipulated um, uh, tools of that force, and more about like how um, we're kind of enlisted um as individuals into that um into that uh um into doing that work like it's i don't know if you like read like foucault or like uh or you know just are familiar with his ideas or whatever about like um how um uh the the panopticon works and about, about how um basically um there's all these like sort of tools of the state that enable people to just basically police themselves um and each other uh so that just simply the idea of surveillance um gives i'm I'm incredibly like reducing and and bastardizing and paraphrasing here but basically um just the specter of surveillance gives us um makes us behave right okay sure um and that i think is something that like that's i think something that like um you know keeps like waters up at night more than like actual like um uh you know military or or police coming to his door um i think that's like the stuff that's like animating dogs for example Mm -hmm. um but uh but yeah um he uh obviously has only grown more like um you know sort of uh his concern is only sort of like uh bloomed in his older age about the stuff he hasn't like he hasn't even remotely relaxed um his uh his stance on um on this stuff uh mm-hmm. as as he's grown older he's got he's caught a lot of flack <clears throat> just this past year um for um his comment some of his comments on like various like foreign policy decisions um yeah. uh you know in primarily obviously like in uk and us governments yeah but um but yeah this is like i think um I think all I think the I think maybe realizing that this this album <clears throat> is so sort of political and how the political becomes personal. Um I think they they realized like how much of like a sort of a long shot this was commercially. Mm-hmm. Um most of um most other Floyd is more on the ground level in terms of like it's about relationships, it's about like people's interactions with each other and um this is like such a like more kind of like um you know kind of uh more of like a molotov cocktail of an album Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a great uh metaphor for it actually considering (laughs) 
Um, all right. Well, so so Pigs in the Wing Part One. I mean, I kind of like really kind of glazed right over that, but uh, yeah, the old war saying about it uh, about the you know it depicting enemy pilots in your blind spot. I mean, you seem yeah. to be kind of impressed by that uh, that bit of knowledge there. Yeah, I was actually. I didn't give me any uh, because I didn't really have any thought about what that title meant. And I never really gave much thought to that song itself. Um, it was more like, uh, um, I don't know. It, I, I always thought of that song as like um, something kind of uh, um, there to, to keep you from totally despairing <clears throat> if you needed it. Yeah, um, right. Uh, just a way to kind of like, like it's a, it's a framing device, uh, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Ease um, you into the, into the record. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it functions like a picture frame in a lot of ways. Um, uh, just to kind of give you some, uh, some, some context, some like hopeful context around what you're about to delve into. Right. Um, exactly. So, yeah. So I, so while I never rated it very highly, I would never want it to like not be there. Sure. Sure. I mean, it can't, it can't not be there to, to complete the piece. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. that's, that's the thing about a concept record or a theme or a thematic record is that, you know, if you take away any part of it, it kind of loses uh, a good portion of its meaning, you know? It's, it's also so like, um, it's also so like, Ooh, I have an idea uh, <laughs> um, on the part of waters. Um, and and uh, I'm almost, I'm pretty confident that it was a unilateral decision to um start and to begin and end the album with the uh, with those tracks. Yeah, yeah, as a matter of fact they were uh they were added on last minute. Yeah, which yeah. I which I take to mean um waters in a mixing session with no other members of Floyd included. <laughs> yeah, and even if they were they'd be like I'm just going to take care of this guys just just sit back, okay? Yeah, I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on to the second track, Dogs. a lot of about this the song already uh it, it's the longest track on the album uh and so obviously it kind of has uh, a very integral part to, to this record but um so in trying not to uh write a book over this subject it's uh, it's pretty evident evident to me that the majority of the inspiration for this album came from a connection to georgia orgwell's animal farm um now granted your new album uh future mirror isn't a concept album uh, what could you say has influenced its creation? Well, um, a lot of, a lot of life and a lot of death. Um, hmm. I, I think, uh, like we all kind of like went through, um, a lot of, a lot of ups and downs, um, to, to kind of, um, to uh you know to be as kind of like broadly broadly speaking as possible like the four of us all went through a lot of ups and downs over the last 10 years um lost um uh, lost and and gained uh um life paths um lost and gained loved ones um like moved all like all around the world and um just kind of like 
became like legitimate grownups hmm. um and wanted to kind of reflect this kind of like uh this like life cycle thing that was kind of the theme was like um uh we want to kind of like track the process of like um birth life and death in in some ways um musically uh and again not to be super literal about that and like have the sound of a baby being born like at the beginning of the album mm-hmm. um you know uh get like too much into um uh you know the the actual uh hyper literal details of that experience but have like songs that kind of like mirrored um those various stages okay um and uh honestly like it it was a it was a kind of an a, a thing that was like as we were halfway through it it was like oh we're, this is like this is what this is sort of trending towards um because we start with the music and we start by like crafting um instrumentals um and then the lyrical stuff kind of comes later um and what we sort of like naturally end up doing is um we kind of uh orchestrate things like almost like a film um where we're going to be like this is going to be somebody kind of going through their lowest moment and inevitably it's like one of us kind of like translating going through a low um whether it's um you know losing someone or um facing you know facing some kind of existential fear or whatever um and then we want to get into kind of like we want to like balance that out with something that's like triumphant um or something that's like uh about like resolve and that's going to be um overcoming uh one of those uh one of those really like low moments Hmm. um i think uh because we're not like a like a like a motorhead uh kind of band where it's just like you know you know you know what it's good for and you you turn to it like reliably and um it's always going to kind of get you there um we you know we 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 really like sort of revel in that kind of um in that ability to um represent a whole sort of spectrum of emotions as like okay so we're going to give you something like over the course of an album that's going to feel like a film that's going to have this like um inciting moment it's going to um Mm. you're going to kind of get embroiled into this drama um and we're going to like leave you on uh if not like a narratively satisfying note then a sort of an energetically satisfying one um we don't want to sort of like plod in like um in riffs all the way through we don't want to sort of uh bore you with ambience all the way through um I think like the thing that like attracts all of us like together as um as a band is not wanting too much of one thing. Um sure. okay. and then I that you know that uh that is kind of like the animating force for all of us so there was never a possibility of this being um just a metal band or um just like uh you know like a like an like a poppy or like indie rock kind of band or like right. just synth driven like like a heavy like industrial band or something like that yeah, um, yeah. it's going to kind of pull from all these different things and we're going to do our best to kind of like make it sound like it's kind of like one voice 
Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely heard that. I mean, I heard a lot of different influences in, in the record. You know, I think that there that's very clear that there's a number, there's a vast spectrum of of influences that are coming through on that record and uh and a lot of obviously different uh emotions that you're trying to convey. <clears throat> but um but so is the record, does it have any theme or any kind of uh concept to it really? I mean, aside from the the love and loss over the course of the years. Um not really the theme no not really uh if there's a theme like at all it's this like idea of um of looking back on your like old self um and sort of like being like able to like see yourself um from the future like see yourself projected into the future uh as a character projected into the future like looking back at yourself in the past like having this oh, okay. ability to kind of like go like um forward and backward at the same time so like time's arrow um is kind of like meaningless like in this particular reality um that's not really a theme but like that was kind of this like philosophical idea that animated some of the songs so yeah, yeah. Um, okay because yeah. especially with the way you're describing the music it, it kind of like it reminds me of listening to the record and if, uh and then you know definitely acknowledging some of the the ups and downs um you know uh emotionally that that you go through with the record while you're listening to it and then of course you've also brought up a, a concept that i know has been kind of uh, mentioned in uh other interviews that you've done about um being very uh cinematic and whereas yes. so it sounds like the album kind of tells a story especially based on what you're saying where you know you have these higher and lower points and then it kind of all blends in together so if if you're looking at it as if like a as like a, a single a single piece of cinema then obviously you're obviously moving through a story of some sort yeah yeah and um again it's not it's nothing like uh, at all literal so there's nothing sort of like that um you'd be missing um it's really mm. just kind of about like um a vibe uh for lack of a better word um where like where if you're going from this energy to that energy that sort of makes sense that's sort of dramatically satisfying mm -hmm. um uh, i can feel what it means uh even if i can't articulate what it means sure okay cool well uh, that's what i thought because <clears throat> you know I, I hate to like listen to music and just feel like i'm lost in it and like i like i just don't get it um i think that there's a lot there in the music that i just haven't had the time to really you know maybe uh grasp it completely or hear every word in 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 the in the piece and therefore kind of understand it better but um but i know that it's that there's things there you know i can tell that there's things there just kind of like listening to, to this pink floyd record is just like there's stuff going on here, but until I really start sitting down with it and really start doing the research and like kind of sit with the words and the music at the same time, I'm not going to put those pieces together necessarily, you know? Yeah. And I mean, you're talking to somebody who's also like had like completely delusional ideas about what like uh, an album meant and like came up with like my own concept for albums that didn't have them whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Um uh i think like i remember like uh the the second like fear factory full-length album was like this whole science fiction movie to me when i was like a teenager um, um and there's 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 sort of a like a, a theme of like uh 
of um of androids and things like that <laughs> like you know sure. like vague pulling from like uh like blade runner and like terminator and things like that but nothing mm. really super concrete but to me it was very vivid and very like sort of like um like tied together and intentional uh again like as a 15 year old sort of like uh looking for that kind of like meaning in what i was listening to yeah okay well that, that's cool i mean obviously you you have a very very uh artistic mind and you have a, a lot of creativity <laughs> going on in there and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> all right usually there isn't in the context of having this band there isn't no no that can only help right <laughs> right so um so moving on to the next song, Pigs, three different ones. Okay, so again, back to referring to Animal Farm. Uh, pigs represent the people whom Roger Waters considers to be at the top of the social ladder, the, the ones with the wealth and power. They also manipulate the rest of society, encourage them to viciously com- com- to be viciously competitive and cutthroat so the pigs can remain powerful. Uh, let's see, three different, uh, three different verses describing three different pigs in this song. Uh, two being pretty undeniable, um, I don't know if you're familiar or at least uh, if you know what those uh, connections are that uh, Roger Waters makes in this song. No, please enlighten me. Um, okay. I am just like, I, I, my familiarity with this song is less, uh, lyrically is less, um, is less intense than with dogs. Okay. So please enlighten me. Sure. Well, um, so the first one is kind of a general, general, um, uh description of of a uh, kind of your typical businessman cutthroat businessman uh the second verse being pretty undeniably uh slamming margaret thatcher and then the third verse uh which is the only one where he actually uses the name white house uh uh you know referring to mary white house this kind of like um moral crusader in the uh, in the uk around this era Oh yeah, that's um yeah, that's that's really fascinating because um I I really like have not like been able to appreciate until like much much later like what was going on politically in um in England uh at this time like in the late 70s early 80s but um it sounds potentially more, um, even more savage and repressive uh, than what was happening in the U.S. Um, and if you had like kind of even half a heart, it sounds like um, you were really appalled, uh, specifically by um, Thatcher, who was uh, she was she was what year did she actually become prime minister? Oof, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> So leader of the conservative party as early as, as 1975, but became prime minister in 79. Um, and really just okay. like, um, just started strangling the welfare state. Um, and uh, all kinds of entitlements started like getting like on the chopping block. Um, not to mention like, you know, it was practically illegal uh, to be gay. Um mm. It was just very like uh like all the like um all the uh entitlements for um 
uh, people who were out of work were um, were under threat. Uh, it just sounds like an absolutely miserable time. Um, it's interesting because um, this is like the point in the in the set when we were seeing um, Waters play, um, where he really sort of like turned the screws and made it uh, made it about Trump. Right. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, and that's kind of what I was wondering. Like, uh, I guess we can pretty easily, you know, we could pretty easily rework this song to include like U.S. politicians and kind of be more of a cur current uh, statement. So, I mean, like, so yes. what, what is what is your opinion on on politics? You obviously are a fan of Roger Waters. You obviously understand that he's very outspoken. <laughs> what, what, like, uh, so you're kind of uh, and side with him in in, in a couple of ways, at least. I su I suppose. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, I definitely like count myself as um, as a progressive. Uh, I grew up in a kind of um, I and I grew up in the in the suburbs of Southern California. Um, I didn't grow up with like you know my parents weren't like labor organizers or like uh, you know um, you know fighting uh, fighting the man or anything like that. Um, it wasn't really until um, I got about college age that I was exposed to anything remotely like activism or um, legitimately progressive politics. And also to this idea of the Overton window. Um, am I getting, am I getting that right again, as I'm, as I'm learning how to talk. Um, You're where, schooling um, me. I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. We're um, uh, let, let me make sure I'm getting this right. Um, uh, basically, uh, according to Wikipedia, uh, the range of policy policies that are politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time. So, um, you know, things like entitlements, um, uh, things like gay marriage, things like abortion rights, um, when they're illegal, um, there's a big, uh, there's a, you know, there's a largely mainstream sense that like they should stay illegal. Um, there's a, a fringe of people who believe in human rights that will push and push and push for that. And um, they will see that uh, once there's movement on those um, policies, um, what is mainstream and acceptable sort of shifts. Mm -hmm. Now, this sort of like kind of varies depending on what kind of policy you're talking about. But um, uh, generally speaking, like what we think of as right and left are very, very like right-leaning in the United States. Um, and uh, we have this whole range of things like, um, you know, who should uh, who should have access to uh, health insurance and wh whether or not it should be tied to employment. Hmm. Um, and it's this ball in play. Um, and it's not a ball in play in other, in other countries because um, they've socialized it and it's acceptable to consider that it's uh that it's a right and that everybody gets access to it right um it's a ball in play here because there's a lot of money in um in making it you know a for-profit industry right like privatized um, insurance yeah and that's obviously that's a thing that i that i disagree with you know i mean i think that keeps people um you know sort of fearful in their decision making um it it sort of uh like you're you're this very, very sort of elemental thing like your health and well-being um is tied to uh not just whether or not you have a job but uh, the quality of that job 
Um, right. And if you can't get like a sort of like one of these like premium employment opportunities in the United States or pay like an exorbitant amount out of pocket, then you're um, you're excluded from this. Uh, <laughs> you're excluded from this, um, again, very important, uh, you know, uh, feature of, of daily life. Yeah. Like, so, like general um, well health, like well being. Yeah. And, um, you know, and sort of spoiler alert, um, uh, ill health will come for every single one of us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Eventually. So, so it, uh, you know, so that, that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff matters. Um, so in, as far as like, I have any kind of like, um, political, you know, political, uh, points of view, they definitely skew progressive. Um, and, uh, you know, I definitely think like we, we benefit from like pushing things leftward, uh, in this country at this time, um, specifically because we've, we've quietly pushed things rightward for actually quite a bit longer than we realize and, uh, are mm. kind of like paying, paying a price as a result. Right. Yeah, no, I can see that. Um, Okay, well, uh, thank you for sharing your opinion on that. I, I know it's a tough subject. I actually don't don't like to talk about politics a lot, but uh, this album is is heavily stymed in it, so it's kind of unavoidable. <laughs> so, "Sheep" is the next song. The idea that the great majority of people blindly follow the leaders without question, uh, but also implied is the so uh, in this song is that the sheep, being as many of them as there are, are able to overthrow the dogs. So uh, thinking about yeah. the new album and the time between Future Mirrors and Infinite Fires, your last EP, well, what do you think were the struggles leading up to it, and where, and where there, uh, like, and where were the difficulties and and or the boundaries that you had to overcome? if any. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, honestly, uh, it was, um, hmm. I, I was about to say it was, it was, it was, it was easy. Um, but it wasn't easy. Um, that's not, that's not, um, that's not precisely accurate. Uh, it was very hard at times. Um, I should say that, um, the creativity came easily, and determination um like there was tons of ideas and there was lots of um like energy to like make something um that had been that had been like brimming in all of us and that like we got a to finally have an outlet for like even like even with all of us like doing other musical things the outlet that we have in this band had um had a place uh again um after a really long absence um, so that was exciting and invigorating. Um, it was in the setting down of those ideas. And what we and when we ended up with like what is about like about 37 or 38 minutes of music, um, a very a, a, a pretty lean LP. Um, we definitely had like tons of um uh tons of music that kind of like fell um fell away from that and that didn't kind of like make 
the cut. Uh, not whole songs, but like whole parts of songs um, that could have been um, really elaborate and could have been a lot more um, uh, uh, ambitious, like in scope. Um, ended up, um, we really like opted to like keep things lean and mean um, in a lot of cases. Um, okay. So what ended up on the cutting board um, was um, sometimes a struggle. Determining what would end up on the cutting board was sometimes a struggle. Um, determining like the, um, determining like little micro executions um, because we got down into like what, um, what tempo and what expression uh, is going to um, sort of uh, take hold in this particular section um that got um that could get heated um we would you know sometimes be like you know dithering over like about like 10 beats per minute in a section um and uh it's not always the case that like sort of the cream rises to the top in terms of like everybody agrees on um the right course of action uh or the right, right course of action is is um staring in the face like sometimes that happens sometimes it, it has to be like um you know somebody steps up with a veto um and we were trying to be like cautious with the vetoes um sometimes uh, one of us would overspend our allotted uh our allotted veto powers um but ultimately um you know, there was this sense, like, even when we got, we got into a kind of a heated argument about the track order. Um, we were going to like fucking kill each other over the track order at one point. Um, but ultimately we're like, we have to bury the hatchet and everybody has to be, um, happy about this or convinced that this is a good way to do it. Even if they're not convinced it's the best way to do it. Um, because it's not worth anybody being resentful. Um, over over a creative decision like this mm -hmm. um it, it things kind of have to like you know by hook or by crook end up a consensus decision right. so um some of that some of those micro decisions um were um were some of the hardest parts the creativity and like the the generation of ideas was like that was just all that was just all a blast. Okay, cool. Well, um, I know that we're running out of time, so let's just skip on to the last song, uh, Pigs in the Wing Part 2. So I don't feel alone On the way to the stone Now that I've found somewhere safe To bury my bones so um, just very quickly, uh, and just kind of a nice little little uh, tying in of the, the album and of this conversation, uh, this track describes how the pro protagonist stopped being a dog, quote unquote, after they acknowledged someone's affection for them. So uh, this yep. is definitely a sweet way to end this, out, this album. Uh, in closing, what do you look forward to now that your new album is being released? Oh, man. Uh... Um, th this music has been sitting in our brains for a really, really long time. I'm really excited for other people to hear it. Um, I'm really excited to like have um, just conversations with people around um, what uh, what this music is doing for them, because we didn't really give people too much of a guide map. Um, like me explaining to you that like this is about like somebody sort of 
looking at their life like backwards and forwards like independent of time's arrow is not like a super helpful it's like meant to be like an imaginative stimulation but it's not like a like grounding or like oh okay cool um right. I, I get that now i get that better now if anything you know i've made it like harder for you to um uh to ascertain what it is that i'm getting at but i think when you hear the music um it's clear um what's being expressed and um i'm really looking forward to people sort of like um picking up what it is that uh that we were trying to um express with some of these songs because um it's never any one thing it's yeah. always um it's always a handful of things like the songs all have like multiple meanings to us so um yeah. the the audience like you know the audience uh whomever the audience may be um is only gonna like further elaborate you know that multitude of meanings so right that's really exciting interpretations really... of the songs yeah yeah and that's I really think... exciting and that's really gratifying um when um when people take things um even further than you saw them yeah okay that's yeah that that's wonderful and uh wonderful thing to look forward to and uh any you have one show coming up that i know of uh the release for the record correct that's right yeah yeah um we have uh we have a record release show at uh the golden bull in oakland i don't know when this um when this airs um it might not be enough time to uh to plug it yeah what's the date for that uh december 14th is the show oh yeah i think it'll be out be out before then okay awesome yeah so that's the record release show um you can find uh our upcoming shows uh once once we have a couple things in the works um and if you want to sort of like stay in touch with us on uh on ig we're the atomic bomb audition and we're also the atomic bomb audition.net um for like a portal for like all our streaming and everything else that you could more than you could ever possibly want to know about us um okay. we have some stuff coming in 2022 2023 sorry um uh i i'm finally like picking up some uh some, some english now finally at the end of this conversation um, well, you've been doing great don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um uh we have some stuff brewing for 2023 um and you'll you'll be able to find us um find us wherever we'll be uh in the coming year there okay perfect well uh ali thank you for the time it's been a wonderful yeah. speaking with you and getting to know you better yeah, you as well. I really appreciate it. This is such a cool show you're doing. Um, looking forward to listening to uh, to more of your stuff. Um, well, thank to you. Listening through the back catalog. Um, it's a really dope show, uh, and you're a great host. Um, thank you. you. Have, I appreciate actually, that. It's very rare. People don't always have a good voice for um, podcasts, but you do. Thanks, man. So, appreciate um, so it. Take it. So take advantage of that. <laughs> even even though I've been a little sick, it's a, it's all right. Still doing it. No, still it's all right. It sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, hey, have a great one, all right? Yeah, you too. Thanks so much for the time. Final Vision is a psychic static production. Theme song written and performed by Jeff Robbins of 123 Astronauts.